0: From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Coming soon to iOS and
1: Android. I remember walking into my boss's office almost in disbelief. And I cried because uh, I remembered all of the pain and the effort and everything that I had gone through to get to that point. And you pray and you hope that things work out, but somehow you also set yourself up for it not happening on your time, uh, in the time frame. And so when it, it happened, I remember just being grateful. And so then then it started getting even better and better. And so it just seemed to me that for everything that I had lost during those times that I was trying to get there, somehow God seemed to be making it up.
0: Uh, I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift. Hello and welcome to another episode of How I Discovered My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I am so excited to have today's guest on today. Uh, I consider her a friend, a mentor, uh, someone you're going to really get a lot of value out of today's episode. So let me tell you about Florence Torsen Hart. She's the president of the U.S. Ghana Chamber of Commerce, Ghana, Ghana, uh, headquartered here in Philadelphia She's The Chamber is dedicated to facilitation and promotion of trade and investment, economic growth, and increasing business opportunities and advocacy on behalf of its members in both countries. She also leads a wealth management team at Merrill Lynch and is a certified financial planner. Prior to joining Merrill Lynch, Florence was the CEO and founder of a successful multimedia company. I had no idea. Wow. She has an extensive experience and background in advertising, public relations, marketing, publishing, and TV content programming. She's a a graduate of Drexel University with a dual MBA, concentration in financial management and accounting, and holds a BA in publishing with a marketing editing specialization. Florence is a member of several charitable organizations and has a passion for fitness. Originally from Ghana, West Africa, Florence currently lives in Philadelphia, PA with her family so that's the official bible let me give you my personal bio and personal take on florence florence is just an amazing person just one of the most focused and driven people i've ever met if she has a goal she's going to complete it no matter what obstacles no matter what resources are needed whatever whatever is in her way watch out because it's going to happen one of the most committed people and just kind-hearted people. She has a heart for people, a heart for serving, a heart for doing things that are bigger than herself. Um, So it's an honor to have you on the show, Florence. Thank you so much for for coming on.
1: Thank you, David. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure to be here with you.
0: Wonderful. Florence, I must say, I, I had no idea... You had a background in marketing and public relations. I mean, it's it's evident in seeing the events you throw that there's got to be some kind of uh, know-how in this. But I had no idea. you you. I, I want to start there, and then we'll dig into your story and your background. But I, I'm really curious about that myself. I didn't know you had a, a, a multimedia company.
1: Yeah, um, this was a long time ago. So, you know, the, the beauty of being young is you can dream as big as you want, and you also have the courage to follow through with your convictions and, and to follow your dreams. So this was when I was in my 20s and I lived in Ghana. I remember I, I went on vacation. to you know, I was on vacation in England. And at that time, um, the TV content in, in Ghana was not, it, it was great. It just was not exciting for a young person. And so anytime I'll come home from Europe from vacation, I'm like almost depressed, (laughs) you know, Mm. because most of the the programming, they don't speak to me. And so I decided without um, any experience whatsoever to establish uh, a TV content programming company. And so long story short, I was able to get uh, Marshall, the resources and the team together we put together a very good proposal, which we, and so we approached the national broadcaster in Ghana at the time, that was GTV. And so when the director of TV read the the proposal, he told me straight away, "Um, if you can get me a pilot, I can guarantee you airtime. And so we went, we, we had to... It, it wasn't easy, I have to say. But... Be, and I think the difficult part of getting people to buy into your dream, especially when you don't have that much experience and resources, but God be so... Happy, we were able to put together that pilot. And so the, the name of the program was In Style. And it was a mm. 30-minute magazine program on fashion and lifestyle. And so when we talk about fashion... We don't want to talk about what is in vogue. We want to approach it from an educational grooming standpoint. So, for example, if we wanted to talk about men's clothing, we wanted to tie it to how it helps you to progress in your career, how to feel Mm -hmm. confident when you go into interviews, you know, stuff like that. And that program became the number one program in the country. I mean, very highly rated. I don't know were doing any ratings, but I still meet people that talk about the program, not even having a clue that I had anything to do with it.
0: My goodness.
1: But in doing that, um, I also realized that because of the the way the show was presented, when I come and feature something in your shop or in your business, there's almost a run on the products the next day. So then the company started approaching me. Okay, why don't you just build a little TV commercial, you know? And so that is how we got into the marketing and advertising piece.
0: Wow. So you had the Oprah Oprah effect in (laughs) Ghana. I don't
1: don't know if I still have it. Like I said, I was young. And and you know, when you're young, you're fearless. And you are driven by your convictions and your dreams. And so, yes. and you have a lot of energy. What do you have to do?
0: That's right. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, it's something I I learned new about you. So so take take us back to your journey, Florence. Like from being a young girl in Ghana, and um and just the journey and the process to becoming who you are today. What's that journey been like?
1: So, Florence is um, one of a lot of i a very large family. I am the third in my family and the first girl, very much a daddy's girl, mm. as most um, first girls would attest to, because um, you become the embodiment of your parents' hopes for their daughters, right? And I had a father who was very traditional and very progressive at the same time.
0: He was yeah. very,
1: very strict. He did not believe in idle, um, idling, but he was also progressive in the sense that he taught me to. He taught me in a way that I don't get defined by my gender. So I mean, gender matters, obviously, but he not to see the limitations of that. So I was raised in a, an environment where. My father was very, very big on education. He drummed that in me when I was little. Florence gets a good education because it was very important to him that I I was able to keep all of my options, be independent and and think and and achieve. And so um, education was very, very, very important to him. Growing up in Ghana, I also saw how much the limitations women face, right? Um, in terms of, I feel economic or financial uh, empowerment is important for everybody, yeah. especially for women. And so if you do not have that, to some extent, your your options are sort of limited. And so those are the things that drove me. So growing up in Ghana, I grew up in Accra. I went to um, attended um, a private um, um, element grade school in Ghana. Mm. I went to a college, a high school called Laboni Secondary School. And then I went to Accra Academy. And then I ended up in the uh, University of um, Science and Technology, Kero called Kwame Nkuma University now. And so I've grown up in a a large family. You cannot grow up in a large family and be selfish. Because Mm -hmm. if you are not comfortable with sharing everything, including space and and understanding of of allowing people to have their say, you can't survive in an environment like that. But that Mm -hmm. also toughens you up too, because in a place where you have that many people, you have to fight to have your voice heard. And so those mm-hmm. are the things that have shaped me. My father is Nigerian. My mother is Ghanaian. She's an Ashanti, and so I, I I grew up in Ghana. Went to tech, completed. Did my um, my first job was at the W B Du Bois Center in Ghana. So I did the public relation, uh, the publications, and then eventually some public relations for them. That is where I met my husband. We got married. And then we moved to the states, and so when I moved to the states, I decided to do. I've always had um, a fascination with numbers, and in Ghana, um, I went what we call the arts route, which more mm-hmm. the liberal arts route. But when I had a chance to 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 do my masters, I wanted to go back to numbers, the analytical part of. Um, my, my using the more analytical parts of my brain, which is mm-hmm. um, something that I rediscovered. And so I'm glad I did that. That is how I ended up at Drexel University and did mm. MBA at Drexel. So, wow. Florence lives in Philadelphia. I have two children. Mm-hmm. La- absolute loss of my life. Oh, it's awesome. nothing, nothing that I have oh. done that gives me more joy. Than those
0: two kids wow and you're a great mother that's beautiful that's beautiful thank you for sharing that so florence when you really dive deep and look over your past over your history and where you are today what is your most dominant gift if you had to or gifts but what's the most dominant one
1: wow well, i i think that that has developed over time so there are people so sometimes life experiences leads you to discover your gifts, right? i right. are pretty privileged in, in Ghana and did not really understand, you know, suffering, right? Yeah. But in life, I, and I tell my children all the time, that if there are no values in, in life, what is the story that you can tell? Mm. What is the story that you can tell? So you need those peaks and valleys to make your story compelling. And so when I moved to Philadelphia, to the States, I mean, I had to leave everything that I had accomplished in Ghana to come to the States. And that taught me humility. Mm. It taught me empathy. It taught me this understanding that I, I... I'm able to, so when I talk to people, especially clients, I think one of the things that they tell me is, Florence, you know, there is something comforting about talking to you. I feel this sense of, I feel like I'm understood and you get me. And mm. I, I would say that, That, but if I had not gone through all of my life experiences to get to that point, then I would Mm. only have peaks to talk about.
0: Mm. And
1: I probably would not have discovered that gift. So I think that is the one that comes front of mind for now. I would also say that, but that also allows me to understand and understand the value of human relationships and putting Mm -hmm. people together and connecting people and a desire to to do good. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be too calculating about it. Now, I'm not saying that there's no point in being tactical, strategic, whatever. But sometimes it feels good to do the right thing just because it is. And not Mm -hmm. do it because of whatever you think the benefit is going to be for you. And so I think that I feel that caring about people and making money, they are not mutually exclusive. Mm. Actually, you make more money when you care about people. Mm. People who may take the short um, road, you know, the short route, the quick route, but I don't think that that provides lasting peace and happiness. And so... Those are the things that those those two things I think would be the intangible gifts that I I, I hope I was able to
0: just you keep. Know. Yes. So when would you say I know it's always you you see it as you're in it or later on in life, but did you see those giftings even through the thread of your life as a as a young child and in as you're building companies, did you start to see You know, looking back, it's easier to see that. But did you notice those gifts now looking back early on?
1: Yeah, I think that um, there are two ways of learning through your experience or learning from other people's experiences. And I think that uh, my life experience has shaped my values in more ways than one. My father was a young man in Ghana and by the age of 27 he was wealthy and as anybody who makes a lot of wealth at, at the age of 26 you make mistakes and sometimes you can lose it all oh. and so he lost most of that wealth a few years uh, down the line and I wow. think um When we were young, he used to tell us that the people that used to hang around him, that were his friends, they all stopped coming around when he lost all of that wealth. And so fortunately, he was able to make more of that money back. But I think that that was a life lesson for him and something that he filled in all of his children. Mm. That you do not judge people by their station in life now. don't because life is long and so long as every day brings new opportunities and so when we're growing up in Ghana in our house as most Africans can attest we grew up with a lot of help in the house Um, chauffeurs um, house help but my father would not let us treat them as others he so when when I was growing up the drivers they, they were I when I go out I don't tell any.
0: so uh, I lost you there on that uh, Florence you, you said the drivers and then and then it cut out
1: so I would say this is my sister I don't say this is a hell the driver is my brother he's a cousin we, you you don't so I remember I tell the story of, uh, there was a time when I was so mad at what drivers said, and, and I spoke in a way that I should not. My father punished me severely mm. because he said, you don't do that. You mm. do not do that. But I've lived long enough to see some of those people are even wealthier than I am now. Mm. So I understand those values and, and, and how so, When I meet people, I have a lot of respect for what people have accomplished Mm -hmm. and the hard work and the sacrifice and and the talent and the skill that goes into that. Right. I acknowledge that. But in terms of treating you as a human being, that doesn't determine how I treat somebody. And I think that, that is the thing that guides me in most of the things that I do um so nothing but a smile and be nice to people doesn't come
0: that's beautiful florence i i I thank you for sharing that um if you don't mind because i got the chance to hear this story of like even how you got into the financial realm of of working for merrill lynch and that whole journey and and i don't want to give anything away but I thought that was a fascinating story and it kind of ties back into why i think you're excellent in anything you do whether in in the in the wealth space with merrill lynch and in in building up the chamber it's because you're great with people and now i'm seeing the thread it comes from the experiences you've had and the the lessons you've been you've learned from your father and and going through life but if you could if you can kind of go into the journey of how you got into this wealth management space
1: so um, I, I grew up in Ghana, like I said, understanding the limitations that are placed on anybody when you're, you 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 don't have a lot of financial options or empowerment. And and I, when when I moved from, I used to live in New York City, and then moved to Philadelphia. And when I got ready to to write my my application to go to Drexel University I, you have to write an essay and I remember writing in that essay that I wanted to help with empowerment of women from a financial standpoint business whatever and so I write, I wrote that essay and, and I sent it off thinking yeah this is a nice thing to say but When the the, the person who who did the graduate admissions read the letter, he called me. And he was so fascinated by my letter. And so he had to talk with me and told me, Florence, I'm going to get you into Drexel by any means necessary. So I was like, oh, okay. But you see, um, I had put something in the universe, right? not having a clue how that was going to happen. But so long story short, I went to Drexel. I did my MBA. And when I was getting ready to graduate, I live in South Philly with a group of fabulous women. And so one of the, we we used to take this gym class together and we become friends. And so when I was getting ready to graduate, this was around in 2010, which was right after um, the market declined in 2008, when there were no jobs, you know. So this lady, um, who, who was one of our partners, her name is Michelle. She said, you know, Florence, my husband works at Merrill Lynch. Maybe you should give me your resume and have me show it to him. And so I, so I said, yeah, sure, why not? Not really expecting much because I think sometimes we we try to protect ourselves and not dream too big and all right. th- things in our mental pipelines for our fear of being denied all. And so she took the resume in and I got a call same day from Meryl mm-hmm. asking me to come for an interview. So I remember walking in and totally unprepared <laughs> and um uh, the executive assistant, he had to write this um, mathematical test no calculators, nothing. And so I, I, I walk in there and she said, oh, you have to do this. And I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? And so I sit there and I write the exam and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I think I flunked. And then she comes in and she said, you passed. I'm like, What? <laughs> she <laughs> said, not only, did you, not only did you pass this as one of the highest um, results I've seen. And she had been there almost 25 to 30 years at that time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that is how I got into Merrill Lynch. Mm-hmm. And um, so going in, you know, you are motivated by fear. And you're also motivated by success. At mm-hmm. that point, the fear of failure was what motivated me. But yeah, so now I find myself in a situation where I get to do the thing that I said I was going to do in more mm-hmm. ways than I do it as part of my job at Merrill. I don't do financial planning only for women. I do it for everybody. But, mm-hmm. you know, doing it for women has an extra layer of satisfaction for mm-hmm. me. And I also do the Global Women's Conference, which is a thing. That yeah. also gives me a lot of um, a lot of um, joy. That's right. It. It's a lot of work, but the rewards felt we the the.
0: For sure, for sure. So um, definitely, we're gonna get deep into the global women X. I want I want to definitely dive into that. But I re- I recall you sharing about you know because to get into the financial sector. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes un- uh, Underneath the scene that a lot of people don't understand To be in a company as prestigious as, as you're in Like it was I believe and you correct me if I'm wrong It was 100% commission at first right Like there was no There's no safety net And and if you could tell about Those first few You know experiences of You know doing all this work and You know I, I just I just want to inspire The women listening to this As well that um you know of this example in florence in in that grit that hustle that drive that you need sometimes to push to get to to get to your goal
1: yeah so so that was before i went to Mirror. um Mm. so um i i had moved into this country and they don't have that much work experience i had extensive experience outside of the united states but none in the united states I mean, not that much. And, and what people don't understand is when a lot of immigrants come here, you sort of like have to start your life over again. First of all, you don't understand the system here. What I call myself an officer in Ghana, but actually the equivalent here would be a director. So when I write a resume and I say I was an officer in Ghana, what I really should be saying is that I was a director. And I did not know that. And so when, when we moved to Philadelphia, I started looking for a job. It was difficult. Like I said, this was around, um, I forget how long it was. But I remember sending out all these resumes and not getting a response. And so I had come home from the gym. I used to work out every morning and came home and I saw a news item talking about a career fair we don't have we didn't have that many career fairs in Ghana and so I I kept thinking maybe that is what I should do
0: mm-hmm. oh if you if you can so we lost you at career fair you said so you said you you attended this career fair
1: I I went to the career fair. And I, they, they had almost 10, at the Wachovia Center, it was called at that time. And they had almost two to 3,000 people there. And, I, and so here I was, not having any experience, not knowing. I had heard them say on the TV that you needed to print a lot of resumes. So I was standing there trying to figure out what to do. And as I stood there looking around, I locked eyes with this gentleman. It's a white guy standing like a hundred feet away. He just looked at me and just beckoned to me, come. And so I walked to him. And so he said, What is your name? So he starts talking to me. And as we start talking, he said, Do you have a resume? I said, Yes. And so I gave him my resume. And then he said, I'm going to give you a job. And so, I said, oh, okay. He said, I'm going to give you a job. J- just give me your resume. I-, I will call you. No. So, David, I-, I could not believe it would be that easy. But then it was sort of like had happened. So, I started leaving. I left the, the place. And I was... As I was walking through the door, I said, you know, this this sounds silly. You can meet the first person who says, what if they don't call? So I went back, (laughs) used the back way, and then went and gave my resumes to a, a, a few other people. But I had spent a lot of time looking for a job. But that is where I think you have to believe in something other than yourself. Because when I went to that job, I think at that time, the salary, the draw was $24,000 a year. But I was happy to have that because it it was the beginning for me. And and long story short, started working there. It was $24,000. It was a draw, 100% commission job. But I just dove into it. I was just happy to have that opportunity. And then, three months into the job, I remember sitting at my desk, and and that was when they put the pay advice on your table every every two weeks, and then I saw my check, and so. I, I, I don't think it registered. I don't want to give you the number,
0: but it. Oh, you got to give us the number. <laughs> <laughs> it was very big. Let's hear and, it. Inspire some people. <laughs>
1: well, I, I just said it was big, right? Dude, uh, like it was. Uh, it, it was so big. And I, I remember walking into my boss's office almost in disbelief. And I cried because uh, I remembered all of the pain and the effort and everything that I had gone through to get to that point. And you pray and you hope that things work out, but somehow you also set yourself up for it not happening on your time, uh, in the time frame. And so when it, it happened, I remember just being stupefied and grateful and humbled and, yeah. And so, yeah. And so then it started getting even better and better. (laughs) And so it just seemed to me that for everything that I had lost during those times that I was trying to get there, somehow God seemed to be making it up. Peace wow. and bounds. and so that. yeah, yeah. That, That's that was, um, but yeah, God
0: reward. Yeah, I love that. I mean, uh, you, you know, you, you had diligence. You had to push through. I'm sure a lot of rejection, a lot of no's, a lot of like, Florence, what are you doing with your life? You could go work somewhere else. You're way better than this. You could, you know, like I'm sure you faced all kinds of stuff, and you still persevered and push through
1: yeah
0: right Yeah. both internally and, and externally yes i can imagine and that's the same drive i see in you and how you've built up the u.s ghana chamber of commerce and and even today which an extension of that is the global women x movement uh so can you talk to us about okay you, now you now you're already working in um uh the wealth management field at merrill lynch and what makes you say, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and add a whole nother behemoth onto my plate? Like that's enough in itself. The work you do is enough in itself. Being a being a wife, being a mother, all of those roles are, are, are demanding in itself as well. And then you're gonna go ahead and what drive what drove you to put something like this of this caliber together?
1: So um when, when we you there was a time when the president of the chamber the vice president of the chamber, the two vice presidents were women. And so that is the thing that I believe that um, women should have uh, parity, equity, whatever you call it. But I also think that if you are the CEO or the head of an organization, there are a lot of things that you have to concentrate on. But I think that as women, because we don't find ourselves in those positions as often as men do, we should be very deliberate and conscious about the the, the, the privilege that comes with that responsibility and, and be very deliberate, all things considered, because we have some responsibility to make sure that we are creating not only do you do that by example, but also making sure that other women who come behind you are able to also benefit from the work that you have done. And so recognizing that moment, one of the things that I thought was, this is a good moment in time. How are we going to use it? How do, what do we want to be remembered by? So that is why the, the idea doing the Global Women's Conference actually started. So I went to Ghana in 2006, 16, for my father's 20th anniversary of his death. And I went with two friends from Philadelphia, both accomplished women in their own rights. So when we got to Ghana, my professional, my friends who were also doing well in Ghana, I said, why don't we get together and have a conversation? About our lives, our businesses, you know, our professions, and as we sat in that room at that reception, every woman was very accomplished. They were doing great things. We were having com- conversations about the commonalities in and, uh, and and listening to that. That is where the idea actually crystallized for for the conference. I thought yeah. this conversation has to go beyond this because mm. we were sharpening each other's skills, we were networking, we were discussing business strategies, we were talking about how to cope, work-life balance, all of these things. So that is so that is where the idea started. That this conversation mm. has to go beyond the walls of the four walls of this room. Wow. So the idea for the Global Women's Conference started at that point. And so we we put together a group of women. We we got sponsorship from Novartis, I think, to put together the first conference, which went well. Um, all things considered, because doing an event like that, you know, has its challenges, advantages, and disadvantages. But David, the fact that it's difficult does not mean you should not do it. Wow! If, if we don't do it as women, who would? But I have to say, I'm very happy that we have a lot of support, a lot of men, right? Partners that are desirous of of having that shared goal of female uh, business um, uh, empowerment, training, skills transfer, whatever. David, I want to take this opportunity to thank you for being part of the conference from when we started and going to Ghana and sharing all of your, uh, your, your expertise in how women can create more visibility online, branding, marketing, the networking that goes with it. So I I just, I I would like to take credit for the success of the conference But now. It is a group of very dedicated, smart people that come together, that allow us to do what we do. So I want to thank you. And the fact that you are coming with us in May.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it, it was it was life transforming for me uh, as well. Um, just being on on the the part of the conference and seeing. I mean, you brought some heavy hitters: the vice uh, second lady of of Ghana, um, uh, the ambassador. I mean, high top businessmen and women. So, so take take us into um, a little bit about this conference and what somebody's listening to this and saying, "Hey." I would love to go to Ghana. Uh, uh, I'm a woman, in, a professional or in business. Um, take, take us through like what this whole conference is about and and why someone should go.
1: So that the theme for last year's conference was Breakthrough to Excellence. And that was the conference we held right after the pandemic had hit. One thing that I want to say about the pandemic is... We should not get distracted by all the, of the disruption that, that the pandemic has caused because this it also offers opportunities. You can't get into business if you are not solving some kind of problem. That is the opportunity. So it's, it's a reset for, a lot, for us. So the theme for this year is the power of both. Innovate, integrate, and inspire. We're always Mm. looking to inspire women in the next generation. We want to innovate, take advantage of um, the opportunity that this research has has, um, afforded us. And also make sure that we're building. I think that, you know, in Ghana, they are talking about the African continental free trade area. So we want you to think beyond. um, We want you to think bigger. At this conference, we are going to be talking about how your goals limit your success. We're going Mm -hmm. to talk about uh, building creative confidence. For example, you can go and look to attract business uh, capital, right? For your business, maybe for the next couple of months, years. Or you could think bold and understand Mm -hmm. that as a... My friend um, Charlie Azadi said yesterday: "Reach for the sun. Reach for the sun. Right. Yeah. Take advantage of this moment, and 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 do a reset. Rethink. Be bold. Go for what right. you think you want. Go. Right. Don't be limited by you know these by size goals. Be bold. So we're going to be talking about export readiness." We're going to talk about global leadership development. We're going to do business-to-business partnering, not only for businesses in Ghana, for businesses in the United States. So we are going to be working with U.S. Commercial Service to make sure that we are actually actually partnering women businesses. For those in the professional skills, a professional sector, you get to sign up for one-on-one coaching. We have Tony who trains most of the executives here, who will be talking about how to build those skills to get you into the C-suite, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess at the end of the day, we are looking to fast track that for the women that are interested. And right. there's nothing wrong with doing that and having some fun at the same time. And we would also get the opportunity to hear for women that have actually done that so that they can share their story and inspire other women. We have a lot of male speakers too uh, who are coming this year. Tralance will be speaking. We, we, The topics that we talk about range from legal, finance, business, uh, trade, everything. But this time we have expanded the conference over two days. You remember, David, last year that we went always against me when I had to go and try to shut down because there's so much to do and so little time. So what yeah. we are doing this time is expanding the conference over two days so that Beautiful. we can do a deeper dive into those topics. But we are also going to be very deliberate about the so that mm-hmm. when we leave Ghana, the women have resources and people that they can continue talking to and also generate leads for most of the businesses that come. So I am very, very, very excited about yes um, the, the opportunity I will share the link uh yeah for, for the conference registration and I mean, for for additional information with you so that hopefully sure. by the time you put this podcast up people can yes. go there and get more information
0: absolutely we will definitely plug all that in the show notes and have people come to 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 be a part of it. it's an amazing experience I've, I've had an opportunity to I believe be part of two two of them so um Uh, I want to I want to underscore something here that probably doesn't go into get doesn't get mentioned right what does it take behind the scenes to put something up of this caliber you know you see the front you see the benefit or you see all the networking you see all the things but nobody talks about the things that it takes behind the scenes the sacrifice the the time the 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 backstabbing, the, the, <laughs> all the stuff that, I mean, you don't have to go into deep detail, but I just want people to um, understand and, and appreciate when someone puts on a caliber of this kind of event, what it really takes, toll on their family, toll on their time. Can you talk to us about what what really what it really takes to be an event organizer and put on an events, global events of this caliber?
1: So let me preface that by saying that every experience has vanity, right? Because every experience affords you the opportunity to learn. And so you can't go through life learning only good experiences. The the, the not-too-good experiences are also opportunities to learn about human nature. But I think that all through my life, um, sometimes um, I've had people tell me I'm too trusting, but I choose to do that. I choose to do that in spite of the challenges that life brings, because I will not let somebody change me who I am at the core. I try to be very optimistic and I will not give you the satisfaction of doing that. Having said that, yes, doing this conference has allowed me to build Extremely valuable, good relationships. I've met people like you, I've met people like Belinda Handy, I've met who are focused on the mission that we are trying to accomplish. And you also meet people that may present in one way, but actually their interests are not necessarily aligned with what you're trying to do. And it's very disappointing sometimes. So but you have to be focused on the mission. If you are driven by the goal and achieving that, it makes you put all of those distractions in perspective. And so, yeah, um, there's been a lot of frayed relationships. And, and, but I think that that is good too. Because imagine if you, you were not exposed to that and you trusted people, with such important goals and if their goals are not aligned with what you're trying to achieve or what we all agreed we wanted to do then they will let you up in my, I think, in even bigger ways and so everything is good. The backstabbing everything they are all life lessons that are necessary to move you to the next level. So um, it, it is a lot of work is sometimes when I go to Ghana, generally it's easier to get stuff done in the United States. If I wanted to do a conference, all I have to do is to go to some hotel, negotiate, uh, and then let let them come up with a quote. You know, you don't do as much as you have to do in Ghana. Not that doing conferences in Ghana is bad. That's not what I'm saying. It's just a different environment. So you have to do yeah. a, more, a lot more of the heavy lifting there. And so when we're done with the conference, I'm almost drained. Mm. And then I look at the the, the receptiveness of, of the attendees and how relevant the information is to them and how they come up to me and tell me how inspired they are and how beneficial that information is going to be for them to move to the next level. You know, the last time we were in Ghana, I had to wake up at 5 o'clock in Ghana time, which is 12 12 a.m. U.S. time, right? To go do most of the media appearances and stuff. Mm -hmm. It it, it takes a toll. But then Mm -hmm. you have to remember the why. If Mm -hmm. you believe in the why, And you understand the why. It puts everything in perspective. And so, I will do it again. I will do it again. Because the work is important. And so long as people still find value. in Mm -hmm. in, And we have the team. People like you. Other speakers. That fly to Ghana on their own dime. And that's the other Mm -hmm. thing, right? They don't just... they don't just sacrifice their time they start, they put in money and resources and research and and take it so i so grateful to all of you i for for, for believing and doing that and, and 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 being willing to make that level of sacrifice to make somebody's life better I thank all of you, all of the speakers that go with us and, and, and who are going this year. I, I I don't have the words Mm. to express my gratitude, but I, I, I hope that you, when you go there and you see the impact that you're making, that also gives you the same level of satisfaction and, and, and that, that I feel.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. That's awesome. And I, and again, that goes into, uh, I think the discipline it takes to execute a vision and you're a very disciplined person. Uh, the the execution it takes behind the scenes to make that happen. So I thank you for sharing that. Um, so in this, in this, interview we go into three components first we talked about the discovery of the gifting that you have and um how did you discover it where did you find those things and connect those dots the next piece is the development and and what does it take to really bring bring forth the vision The like the the hard work ethic you had to put in behind the scenes to get that first uh big check uh the the hard work you had to put in behind the scenes to bring the um this conference this vision that was started at a conference table with you and uh, three other women to now being on a global scale and this is what the fourth annual or the yeah
1: the fourth
0: fourth annual event so listeners definitely plug in make sure you're there I hope to see you here there in Ghana in May Um, but also I would like to talk about the marketing right because this kind of mirrors back to your background being in media. I mean, how do you make something possible, um, without the marketing and the distribution of this event? So there's three phases, there's discovery, there's development, and there's distribution or marketing. Any vision needs to have a good marketing arm behind it. And I, I I think from, from again, from what I've observed in all the years of of the chamber, there's been such an amazing job of, of, making this happen you know with getting partnerships like you mentioned Novartis and and others uh what is it to, h- how do you make a vision like this come to pass and what is the marketing uh components that you put in behind this to make something like this happen
1: also i, I don't do marketing oh. directly myself anymore but i think that we have we have fortunately there a lot of media <laughs>
0: Sorry, we missed that last part. part?
1: There are a lot of partners, media partners in Ghana that believe in the dream. And so if we had to pay for all of the marketing that we do, I I think that we would not have enough money to do that. So we have a a, a team in Ghana that helps us put um, uh, the marketing and the publicity together. Um, When we started the conference, I think we started with... um, joy multimedia in ghana and and other partners who helped uh, us get the word out um, to to get more people and as the conference is getting more established and well better known we are getting even more and more media partners but we do have these young guys in ghana that help us to do the marketing and social media, Davy, you do a lot of the online marketing and, and the social media planning for this too. Thank you. And and most of you, th- this is something that you do almost pro bono, right? For for the conference. So I am. Um, it, it is a lot of work. And then we also do, like I said, the in in person TV appearances again, which you are also helpful. The last time we were sweating it out at uh, Ghana Broadcasting Corporation, <laughs> right? But I think that the key to that would be you always start with a good goal and a good vision. I think that is key. Once you get people to buy into that vision, it gets incrementally easier over time. But but that is what I would say. Thanks to um, uh, companies like yours, Kingdom Social Media, and the media partners in Ghana, this time, I think we have, last year, we had um, a lot of media partners, XYZ, ASAC Radio, um, ETV, there's so many of them that I can't even mention. So I thank, thank you all um, because, but I think the key to the success, the success of, of that portion of it would be the desire to see that 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 impact, right? Mm. And and I would also say we have a lot of very talented, smart men who also help drive the, the the story and this initiative. We could not have done that without them. Our male mm. partners, too. Yeah.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, awesome. I love it, Florence. So, um, a couple last questions that I have. So can you give us the dates again uh, for those that are saying, hey, this sounds great. I would love to be a part of this, or would like to speak, possibly love to uh, attend, uh, be a partner, be a sponsor. What, 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 what information do you have for them for, for them to get, get involved?
1: I mean, um, the most sponsors. So the conference is not a profit-making thing for the chamber. It's, it's just a way of giving back. So the more sponsorship we have, the less expensive uh, the tickets are because sponsorship doesn't cover the whole cost. The chamber underwrites most of the cost. But we would like to get some support in the sponsorship space. So um, I think you can email. Can I share the email? Yeah. Yeah. So the email will be events.usghcharm.com which will be E-V-E-N-T-S dot at gmail.com. If you reach out to us, I would also share some of those links with you. Um, you can get more information either as a participant, either as a sponsor, if you want to be a speaker, too, we're always looking for speakers, right? So um, please, please send us a, a, an email and let's talk. They can also reach out to you, David, and and you, because you are um, such an important part of what you're doing, you could also get them to us. The date for this year's conference like, is going to be May 16th to 17th. It's going to be at the Accra International Conference Center. So You know, every year we, when we go to Ghana, we also do the outreach to the high schools in Ghana. This time we are, we are going to do that. I think on the, I think the thirteenth of May, no, the twelfth of May. We're going to do that before the conference, so that uh, we know uh, Mother's Day. When is Mother's Day again?
0: Um, I should know, but
1: yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so so we want to do all of the pre-conference uh, activities so that when we're done with the conference, hopefully we can have like an awards dinner or something and then come back to the U.S. And so May 16th to 17th at the Accra International Conference Center. If you need more information, email events.usghcharm.com At gmail.com Which is E-V-E-N-T-S Dot U-S-G-H C-H-A-M At gmail.com
0: Beautiful Or reach out
1: to Kingdom Social Media
0: For sure One last question we always ask our listeners You weren't prepped on this You didn't know that you're going to get this question Is what's the difference between One's gift and one's purpose One's gift and one's purpose.
1: Ooh, I think. Let me. And you can be gifted at something, and not use it for any purpose, right? So that the gift for me is the thing that is in the in the that has been given to you, but what you choose to use it for. Would be the purpose, right? So there are people that are gifted in so many things. What do they use it for? I don't know. Right? So the purpose would be actually for me taking that gift and translating it into something actionable. That is the way I would describe the difference between a gift and a purpose.
0: I love it. Love it, Florence. Thank you so much. Is there anything I didn't ask you about or anything you feel you want to share with the people before we wrap up?
1: No, I I wanted to thank you for this opportunity. I, this this is, we should have done this a long time ago. So I, but it's better late than never. I thank you and all of the, the supporters, the speakers, the attendees who come to the conference. I I I believe that there has to be a space for us to tell our stories, and I'm glad you offer us the opportunity to share that without any time limitations, which is good too. But thank you so much, David, for all thank that you. you do and and con- and will do, and and I'm looking forward to sharing all of this knowledge in Ghana and having fun. Like I said,
0: wonderful.
1: Both of the things are not mutually exclusive.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, listeners, thank you so much for for listening. Florence, thank you so much for being on. We'll see you all in Ghana.
1: <laughs> thank you, David. I all years. over the world,
0: struggling to find it. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift. With yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you. My most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift, as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, dot com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious live podcast network.